Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 135 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Cody Jansen with you on Oilers Now. Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options. For a menu and a list of 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stopper recommendation at Royal Pizza, the Mediterranean chicken. All right, we're going to go to our Oilers Now headliner today for Will Hawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search. For Wilhock at W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. We welcome back to the show a uh, longtime NHL player and broadcaster and I believe once a former teammate of Mark Spector with the Canadian Athletic Club. Why could we not have played those guys? Because I, I think they had a pretty tough that year that year. Uh, Alan May joins us on orders now. Al, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Bob. How bad did that season? Because I, I I've skated with Spec. I I could not have imagined that season went very well for you guys. Well, I, to tell you the truth, I did play with him. He he was in the Canadian Athletic Club. Oh, I was okay. on. He, yeah, and and I was actually that was the one year back then. Uh, I think we had three second year bantams, and the rest were first year bantams. The year that I was on the really bad team and not Spec. And okay. uh, two of the three of us played in the NHL, so didn't work out too bad. Who was the other one? Mark Kachowski was, uh, oh, he played oh, about hundred, yeah, about 150, 160 games. So you had to be able to fight to be on that team, L? <laughs> well, back then there was no fighting, and Mark Mark was a strictly a left, left wing, some big slap shot off the wing, scored a few goals. I was a defenseman, and uh, we were, I don't know what our minuses were. Thank God they weren't keeping them back then because I think our team was 0-34-2. Not that I remember, not that it killed me to to have to play that year, but it, it was a it was a tough year to be a hockey player for us. You were a second-year Bantam on a team that went 0-34-2, and you and Mark both made it to the NHL. That is crazy. That is nuts. I know we've talked about it. I was a second-year midget on a team uh, where we had all a bunch of first-year guys, and uh, Guy Godowski, who's the head coach at Penn State, was on that team. And I was out of the uh, 16 skaters, probably the 15th best skater. 
Just kidding. Uh, we had a we had a rough year that year as well. Stu McGregor was our head coach, so uh, I think we won minor hockey week though. That was their claim to fame that season. It may have scored on a fan wrist shot with the up well, to used... tell, tell you the truth, the greatest thing to me in my memories of uh, Edmonton youth hockey was minor hockey week, and you know from the time I was playing house league to the time I played rep hockey. That was the absolute best time of the year, no matter what, whether you're on a good team or a bad team. There was just something about that. The arenas were full. Uh, the life and death of playing in that tournament after the first game uh, was phenomenal. I, I look back, my favorite hockey memories all have to do with minor hockey week. You know what? Shoot us a shout-out. You can text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. For those of you that grew up, the great equalizer that was minor hockey week. Give me your stories. I'll try to work a couple in the narrative late on today's edition of uh, Oilers. Now, yeah, Guy Godowski was my center. Glenn Thompson was my left wing. And uh, we ended up winning that week. It was crazy. All right. Uh, difficult time. Let me, uh, first of all, how the Oilers finally got uprooted. Canada finally got uprooted by COVID. I'm a little nervous here for Edmonton, Montreal, the fact that it's a couple different players, that the league made the decision last night. I don't think it's a guarantee that they're going to play tomorrow night. What did the Capitals have to, well, I mean, they, the teams obviously, the, the, the Russian factor uh, took place there, but what have the Caps gone through this year, Al? Well, you know, the big thing is, like with everyone, they had COVID. They had two players that had it. Uh, they had four players that had to miss because of the protocol, and I think that was a shot to the rest of the league to, to, to abide by the rules. But with the Capitals, there's been a lot of injuries, and, you know, they kind of dealt with everything. And you take right from before this season, the Caps, the amount of adversity that they've had. Uh, it was, I think, December 17th or so, December 18th, that Henrik Lundqvist announced that he wouldn't be able to play, that he's going to have to have open-heart surgery and, and deal with all that. All of a sudden, you have two young goalies. You bring in Craig Anderson on a free agent tryout. You assign him to the taxi squad. And then right off the bat, all of a sudden, you know, the goaltender that was supposed to be in the American League all year is the starting goaltender in Washington, and Vitek Vanacek, and he's done incredibly well. So, you know, there's been adversity with the Capitals, and I, and I think, you know, they've been over able to overcome it because they've been the best team in the National Hockey League since 2016 when Barry Trotz came here. No one has a better record, and they learned how to win. They learned how to deal with adversity and play different styles of hockey. And, you know, they were just learning how to figure out Peter Laviolette's and uh, and really get under the hang of it. So, you know, the adversity has been really good for the Capitals. When I look at all the players that have been able to go in out of the lineup, the, you know, the, they found that that fourth line of Hagelin, Dowd, and Hathaway are an incredible two-way checking line that can actually go in and shut down the other team's top players. That wouldn't have happened if they didn't have all these players out of the lineup. And so it's been a blessing that you look at the Buffalo Sabres, on the other hand, they were doing not bad. They were looking all right. And then all of a sudden they got shut down with COVID. A lot of their key players just never got back and still aren't feeling that great. So I, I, I feel for them, New Jersey got kicked in it for a little while as well. So it, it affects everyone differently, but the Capitals, because they've had Wilson and, and Backstrom and Veronica Kuznetsov, Oshie Ovechkin, that top six, John Carlson, you know, Zanino, Chara, guys like that that have been around the block, uh, they've been able to adapt to everything that's been thrown their way. All right, I got to ask you about this. I'm looking at the numbers, and uh, Justin Schultz and Zanino, Chara, Chara's plus 13, Schultz is plus 12. I know some people don't like plus minus. They want the advanced analytics. You watch these guys on a nightly basis. How have those additions been? Two guys that have come from other NHL organizations, from rival NHL organizations. Well, to tell you the truth, I had, was, wasn't surprised with Char because I think he's, an, he's a phenomenal player as far as 
his knowledge of the game, positioning-wise, and making sure that he knows what his limitations are and how not to get caught in them. Uh, he, he's been fantastic. He's been an incredible role model off the ice and on the ice. He still competes physically every day. He still backs his teammates up, and, and he knows what he's good at. And, you know, regardless of what dollar amount he's making, $7 million or, or the league minimum this year, uh, he understands what his role on the team is. So he's been absolutely phenomenal. Schultz, on the other hand, has been a huge surprise because I've been following him since he was the Oilers and he was tearing the American Hockey League apart. And he kind of went downhill, but I attribute that to the lack of coaching at Edmonton and the so much turnover. And what were these guys learning and all those young players that were really set back and their careers were ruined by the constant turmoil and change. And he got to Pittsburgh and he helped them beat the, the, uh, the Capitals in the Stanley Cup two years in a row, one year without Latang, he took over. And he had a phenomenal playoffs success. And, you know, we always think of Justin Schultz, puck movement, all those things. With Washington, he's been incredible defensively. And the defense coach here, Kevin McCarthy, has done wonders with him because I always thought that Schultz on defense inside the defensive loan looked like a like a stray cat in a five-way intersection. And, you know, he just – he was all over the place. This year, he has been the best position defenseman that the Capitals have. Inside the D zone, he's done everything wonderfully. Uh, his outlet passes are great. The way he can get the puck out of the zone, the, the calmness under fire. And he's not a rushing defenseman that he first came in the league as. You know, he's basically, you know, the second, you know, the second player up ice all the time, not the fourth. And he's come a long way. And with the Capitals, he's been a perfect fit. Well, the Oilers the first couple of years actually had him start more in the D zone. And his Corsi, I mean, he was like a 43 or 44 Corsi. He's basically been a 50% Corsi guy since in his career and got the more favorable zone starts. I've always liked the guy. I just thought he was in too deep at the, at the start. And who else was he paired with when he was in Edmonton? It was far from ideal. So I'm not surprised that he's been a good fit there. Uh, taking a look, uh, Al May joining us out of Washington. Just on the rest of the division there in that East Division right now, the Islanders in top spot. You know Barry Trotz well. Pittsburgh in the three-hole. Boston in the four-hole. Pittsburgh, uh, this is the toughest division in hockey for me. It is. So i got to ask you, um, what's a bigger surprise in your opinion? Where, you know, Boston's won six, they've lost 12, and Philadelphia's won 15 of 30. What's a bigger surprise in your opinion? Well, to me, that Philadelphia is where they're at in the standings. I assumed and expected them to be at the top of the standings and to be in first place when this is all. And I don't think they can get there now. Uh, they haven't had a fit. It looks like they're rotating all eight defensemen. It bothers me to actually watch what they're doing with the roster. They're, they'll have a player's. And then all of a sudden, they're platooning all their defensemen, and they're not getting into a rhythm. So, to me, the big surprise is their Boston. I figured they'd be in tough. They, they would be having a difficult time this season. Think of it. They lost, you know, Zidane Chara was their number one left uh, defenseman as far as time on ice. Then the power play quarterback, uh, Tory Krug, he's gone. So, those two players are gone. When you look at their defense some nights, there's four guys you've never heard of. All of a sudden, Connor Clifton's playing the second most on the right side of D, and he was an in-and-out-of-the-lineup type of guy, and he's, and he's full of surprises kind of when he's in there. So to me, the bigger surprise is that Philadelphia is on the outside looking in right now and that they've been struggling the, the way they have. And the goaltending, I, I was never big on uh, anointing Carter Hart as the next best goaltender in hockey, and I just think it's tough to give a young goaltender – you know, the keys to the castle and just say the net's yours and not expect some hiccups along the way. And it, it takes time to, to build up a mental callus in the National Hockey League. And I just think right now, 
uh, goaltending uh, on his part of it's been a huge issue in Philadelphia. Brian Elliott, they're not expecting much from him. He, he's been coming up smelling like roses, but then again, they didn't have the expectations of Brian Elliott that they do on a Carter Hart. Right now, uh, the Buffalo Sabres, six wins on the season and 30 games. They're in that division. Is that partially because they're in that division, or are the Sabres truly a free dance on the bingo card? Well, the, the Sabres, they, they looked like they were coming along at about, you know, the, the six, eight, ten game mark before they went down to COVID. They were coming around. They weren't doing too bad. They were getting closer to the Capitals every game that they had played. But really, the style they played under Kruger, and I'm surprised, just absolutely zero grit rewarded on that team. Uh, they play a perimeter game. They they can get the puck in the zone, but they don't get the puck to the middle of the ice. They, they don't battle. They don't get rebound goals. They don't get screens, deflections, tips, whatever you want to call them. And uh, I just think everyone there is demoralized. And it's one of those places we all love to play the game. But, you know, every guy that's ever played in the league and has ever played hockey, you love playing the games. But right now, it's just so depressing. And it's even watching them play is depressing. I can't imagine what it's like being a player there. And I remember when everyone was so upset with Ryan O'Reilly saying he wasn't having fun there. They've got a toxic press there. Uh, they just attack everybody and everything. And I think there's more to it. Uh, they, to me, have a lot of good young defensemen, good defensemen in general. Uh, the goaltenders are fighting for their lives every game. And it seems like everyone, every one of the forwards is in a slump right now. So I'd hate to be a Buffalo Sabre, and I can imagine they're only counting. The guys are probably counting down. 26 more games left of this, and hope we can re refresh, restart, uh, have a new coach next year and see if you know they can finally get this thing turned around. Uh, $34 million between Eichel, Skinner, Hall and a post, so they have eight goals. Uh, that's a that's a that's a tough number. Uh, by the way, you saw Taylor Hall take the slap shot off the face. The team was in the middle of a, at that stage, a 12-game losing streak. It was in the first period. Were you surprised he came back and played in the second, giving that scenario? I, I am not surprised. You know, I, I'm actually a, a huge Taylor Hall fan, and I remember the Edmonton warm-up, of course you do, where yeah. he took the skate in the head, and he tried to come back in the game and play, and he what did that, was that six, seven-inch cut from yeah, the eyebrow up <laughs> through the middle of the court, and they wouldn't let him play, and the crazy kid wanted to, he loves playing hockey, and, you know, I don't fault him for what's going on in Buffalo. I don't fault Jack Eichel. The system they were playing is absolutely ridiculous. It's the softest system in the National Hockey League. There's no grit to it. Yeah. It's laptop hockey. It's just horrible. And I, and I really feel for the players there. And you know, they should just, you know, if they had a guy like Daryl Sutter, meat and potatoes hockey, grinding for your goals and getting bodies to the net and, and, and crushing and crashing around the post protecting your net and then battling as hard as you can to get the other net, I don't think that team would be where they're at. And I'd expect double-digit goals out of Eichel, Hall, Skinner, even Opozo. Uh, but I, I just look there. How can it all just be on the players when every single player is in a slump? And you look at that because when you look at their defense and the gentlemen around the league say, I'll take that guy, I'll take that guy. And they have had some injuries. But uh, Taylor Hall, I, I still see the effort there, but they just they just don't have those players playing the right system, and there, there's no grit that's rewarded in their game whatsoever. It wasn't valued under Kruger, and I'm surprised it took so long to, to change the coaching staff. All right. Uh, final one for Alan May, longtime Washington Capitals player and broadcaster. You spoke about Daryl Sutter. I know you're watching the Canadian division. Sports Club Stats has Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal all above 94% to make the playoffs. You mentioned Sutter. 
the Flames after last night's loss down to 8.8% to make it. Now, that might be a gratuitous stat which favors Edmonton, Montreal, Winnipeg, and Toronto. Can Calgary get back? Is there enough runway left for Sutter to get the Flames back in the mix in their final 23 or 24 games here? I mean, they basically got a goal like 16-7. and It will be the last game of the season before they're eliminated, in, in my opinion. And they just don't have enough. They still have players that don't understand what the role is. And if there's anyone that can get through to them on how they need to play the game and get a win streak going, it's him and his tough love and, and what he rewards for the way the game is played. And I, I think they're about three forwards short. You know, So unless they do something drastic at the deadline, uh, I, I can't see them getting in the top. I just can't see them being able to do it. Al, great stuff. Appreciate your time. One of these days, we'll get a chance to see each other again down the road. I hope so. Thanks a lot, Bob. You bet. That is Alan May. It is 150 in Edmonton. We'll wrap up Oilers now after this. 151 in Edmonton coming up today uh, just after 2 o'clock. Global News Weather Traffic Update, 6.30 chain afternoons with Jalen and I. Wide-ranging show, obviously. The Dr. Dina Hinshaw updates at 3.30. Also, a conversation on assisted suicide as well. Uh, they'll have specialists uh, commenting in those areas. So, uh, interesting uh, show coming up with Jalen a little bit later on. On uh, 6.30, Chad Reed Wilkins has Inside Sports Night. We'll get to that in a second, but not before. For our friends, oh, yes, indeed. At James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, it's time for the Oilers Now Injury Report. For every goal the Oilers score this season, James H. Brown will donate $100 to 630 Cheds Santa's Anonymous. The Forbes family, all those years ago, uh, helped get that whole process started. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. And back at the 630 Chet Studios, here's Cody Jansen. Well, for the Oilers, obviously, Clefbaum, Cuckoo, they're still out. Kyler Yamamoto still listed his day-to-day with an upper body injury. As for Montreal, Tyler Toffoli out for now with a lower body injury. And they've also got Yol Armia and Jesperi Konkaniemi on the COVID-19 protocol list. Travis Green just spoke to the media with an update on Bo Horvat. They said he's day-to-day with a foot injury or lower body injury. They're already without Elias Pettersson. And no update yet on Nicholas Jarmelson. Left the Oats game yesterday with an upper body injury. Yeah, we'll mention Ben Sherratt busted his hand in that fight uh, that he had. Uh, he's out six to week, eight to weeks for the Habs. So the Habs, uh, they won't have Toffoli this week. They don't have uh, Sherratt available, big part of their trident on their D. Uh, we'll get more information sometimes on the COVID front with Montreal. I'm a little nervous, to be frank with you. Uh, 2.30 to 3 o'clock in around that time. Hopefully there's not, put it this way, if there's more players added to Montreal's COVID list, they're getting shut down. It's really that simple. If there's not, there's a chance we can end up uh, playing to come tomorrow night. That would be a 5 o'clock puck drop. All right. Into this day in Oilers history, brought to you daily by Dennis and Jason Laliberti and the folks at New West Travel. What do you got, Cody? Well, let's go back to 1996. Jason Arnott bots his Second career hat-trick and had a pair of assists in an Oilers 6-5 win in Montreal. Big-time player, had a great NHL career, part of one of the most underrated lines in NHL history when the uh, New Jersey Devils won the Stanley Cup that year. Uh, everybody thought the Devils were all about the D. They came in second in goal scoring. I think it was, ah, was that 2000 or, no, it was, uh, yeah, I think it was 2000. It would have been 2000. And uh, Arnett and Sakura. And Patrick Elias were on an unbelievable line. Arnett scoring the game winner in game six in overtime down in Dallas after Elias should, or, uh, Sicky after uh, Peter Sikor had been knocked out of the game with a hellacious hit. I mean, that was, uh, no 
country for old men hockey back in the day. Tonight on Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, what do you got there, Cody? Fluid show? I guess we got a fluid show. Tomorrow, uh, Brian Lawton from NHL Network uh, will join us for Mattress Superstore. David Staples from the Cult of Hockey. John Shannon, our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling. We'll either have a preview or we'll have a discussion on how we're going to do some make goods involving the orders of the Montreal Canadiens. As we wrap it up, again, up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 chat afternoons with Jalen and I. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.